Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Join Josh and Chuck, the guys who bring you stuff you should know, as they take a trip around the world to help you get smarter in a topsy-turvy economy. Check out the all-new Super Stuff Guide to the Economy from HowStuffWorks.com, available now exclusively on iTunes. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com, and sitting next to me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Buongiorno. <laughs> hey, and uh, so today we're going to be talking about BitTorrent. Yes, uh, which has been in the news recently at, at the time uh, of the recording of this podcast because of a tracker site called the Pirate Bay, which underwent a trial and got a guilty verdict. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. I guess really what we should do first is kind of just uh, give you guys an explanation of what BitTorrent is and, and how it works. Um, so really, it's it's a file distribution method, right? Yep. As a matter of fact, uh, it's it's in some ways very similar to a lot of other file sharing protocols that have been used in the past, like Nutella. And uh, the old style Napster, but in other Kazaa. ways it's yeah, but in other ways it's not right. So 
let's, uh, let's, let's take baby steps here. Let's go with the way downloading something off the internet usually works in the traditional sense. So in the internet, you know, think of you've got your, your servers and you got your clients. Uh, you're using a computer that's a client and you're trying to access a file that lives on a server. And so you send out a message from your client saying, I want this file. And uh, the server responds with, okie dokie, I'll send it on over. And it starts sh- shooting that file over to you in little bitty packets. And uh, depending on how busy that server is, uh, how busy the 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 lines are really between your house and that server uh, and several other factors. It may take a really long time to download that file. Um, if you don't have broadband internet access, it's going to take a lot longer. If you have a DSL, that'll take, you know, a shorter amount of time and cable generally even shorter. Um, all depends on, again, your, your individual service. At any rate, you're downloading that from that one single source and if anything happens to that source while you're downloading, that's going to put a hold on the download. So that's your your traditional method. You've got the the one source, and you've got a lot of different clients all uh, contacting that source to get hold of that information. That's right. Sort of like uh, a little while ago, earlier this year, when uh, Microsoft made its uh, Windows 7 beta available for download, they said, well, you have until this time to get your hands on the download. And then everybody did. And you couldn't get through, and it was it was sort of like trying to call for a contest line on a radio station. You just yeah. got a busy signal saying, sorry, we don't have any more of those right at the moment. Please wait. That's actually a really, really apt comparison, uh, which amazes me just as much as it amazes all of you. Hey. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, you're not. That's okay. I'm, I'm not feeling well. That's all. I'm just <laughs> sniping is what I'm doing. All right. So anyway, the uh, – but no, that is, that is the case. If you could um, – uh, if you had any sort of service where uh, it was uh, one server or a bank of servers that all had this information on it and that was it, then, yeah, you, you can get overloaded very quickly. But file sharing, the way this model works is that you have files existing on other computers. And instead of grabbing the file from one single server, you're grabbing bits of the file from various other computers uh, and then putting it together on your computer. Actually, you're not doing this. A client is doing this for you. Right. Um, and, uh, and then ultimately you get the file all in one piece. And, um, because you're grabbing bits and pieces from different computers all at the same time, you're actually downloading different parts of the file, uh, simultaneously and you can get that file very, very quickly. Well, relatively speaking. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, of course, with all the uh, file sharing going on right now, um, with things like music and movies and TV programs, uh, that would make it pretty easy to track you if you went um, by the normal method. I mean, if somebody like the RIAA or MPAA were wanting to find the source of the downloads and and uh, come after you with a lawsuit, um, that would make it very easy, which is why some of the newer file sharing protocols have uh, sort of helped muddy the waters a little bit by sure. spreading out the downloads. Yes. Um, you know, in a distributed network. Right. So let's say you're looking at well let's let's look at BitTorrent specifically. Uh unlike other file sharing services, you're using a a an application that is specifically designed to um download torrents. Mm-hmm. You, know, you you've you tell it where to find these files or you it might have a search engine connected to it. Or you may go to a torrent tracking site 
to kind of get pointed in the right direction. You select the file you want and then the, you know, your little client does all the rest of the work. Um, you're bypassing the whole web browser model. You're not, you're not downloading that way. And, um, you're, you've got two different kinds of, of, uh, sort of, a, of computers, I guess you could call them, mm-hmm. um, that are involved in this system. You've got your seeds, which are computers that have the full file, uh, from start to finish and are making it available for download for anyone using this particular service, this you know, BitTorrent service. Uh, and then you have peers, which are the computers that are attempting to download this file and are somewhere along the spectrum of, of completion. So they may have just started, they may be almost finished, but if they don't have the full file, they are just a peer, they're not a seed yet. Mm-hmm. Now, as you complete your download... You can b- switch from being a peer to a seed if you choose. You can you can say, you know what, I got my file. I'm glad I've got it, but I'm going to let other people try and get this file for a while too. So I'm just going to let it stay active, and uh, that way people can go ahead and grab it, and um, and you know I'll help out people the way people helped me out. And uh, and the more people do that, the faster these files can can uh, distribute across a network, and it almost spreads virally. And uh, there's nothing illegal about this method of file distribution. It's just a way of getting information from one computer or really several computers to other computers. Uh, there's nothing wrong about that. There are problems when people use this to distribute material that's under copyright. Oh, we're back to that. Well, eventually we're going to have to get back to it. We don't have to go right to it right this moment. Right, but right. but a lot of people assume that BitTorrent equals illegal, and that is not the case. Right. There are plenty of uh, legitimate uses for BitTorrent that are completely legal. It uh, has nothing to do with the way BitTorrent works. It has to do with the way people use BitTorrent. Mm-hmm. So if you're using it to distribute, say, I don't know, like an operating system that you've designed that sure. you you want to get out there in the world – that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If you want to use it to distribute, I don't know, Spore, that that's wrong. Yeah, I don't think EA would be very thrilled with you doing no. that. So you should not do that. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And the thing is, um, you know, people have come down on people who create file sharing protocols because they say, well, you are causing software piracy or, you know, other kinds of piracy. And uh, that's in this case, it's just a more efficient distribution uh, method. I mean, it's, you know, just because the file is available somewhere doesn't mean that uh, the torrent sites are necessarily uh, they're they're providing access to it, but they're not providing the files themselves. Right. Which is sort of a gray area, as, yeah. as some people feel. Yeah, we'll get into that with the Pirate Bay in a minute, yeah. um, which I'll, I'll have a few things to say. Uh, really? I, I find it uh, hard to believe that you have uh, a strong opinion. Yeah, it's kind of difficult to imagine, right? <laughs> um, but we'll get to that. So okay. so getting back to this distribution thing. Right. Um one of the reasons why this is such a good idea when you're trying to distribute large files across a network is that you may notice when you use the internet that, uh, there's a different, you have a different rate of, uh, data transfer speeds between uploading and downloading. Usually your upload speed is a fraction of what your download speed is. So you may be able to download things lightning fast, but you know, when you're trying to upload something, it takes a while longer. Well, if you're trying to upload a really large file, obviously that's going to take even longer than that. If you have a lot of different computers all 
providing uploads of this information at the same time, it cuts down on that. Because, I mean, otherwise what you would have is you if someone were trying to download the file, they'd only be able to go as fast as you could upload, right? Yep. That's right. That's you, they would be no matter how fast their download speed was, they'd be limited by how fast you could upload the information. That's right. That's that's called an asymmetrical connection, and that's where the A and ADSL comes from. Right. If you've ever uh, been curious. Yep. Um, and that's pretty much the standard model for most consumer uh, internet access. Right. Now, I mean, if you were a large company, you'd have a T3 or something even faster, probably. Um, and you know, your speeds would be more symmetrical, but right. that's uh that's sort of a typical home connection right there. Right. And, and so when, you know, since we're talking about lots of people just using regular computers to distribute these files, as opposed to, you know, servers that you would find in like a data center or something, uh, chances are you'd run into that asymmetric model. And so with you, when you have more computers operating using, you know, uh, making these files available, you get around those low upload speeds because you're taking bits and pieces from lots of different computers. So it kind of balances out that, that, uh, you know, that upload speed. Um, it, without it, transferring big files would take forever. So it is a good idea. It's just that people have been using it for nefarious purposes, which is, of course, cast a kind of shadow over the entire uh, format, mm-hmm. um, which is really unfortunate because there's nothing like, you know, a few bad apples or in the case of BitTorrent, I'm sure there's lots and lots of them, uh, ruining something that's really innovative and useful. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this definitely has a place on the Internet. And unfortunately, uh, most people associate with something that's illegal. So now you have to get over that hump in order to be able to say this is really a legitimate way of getting information from from uh, these computers to other computers. Well, I mean, if you think about it in a completely different way, um, you know, something like Usenet, which has been around forever and ever and ever, um, you know, is a great way to have, uh, you know, constructive conversations to share uh, different hobbies and things. They're, they're great for message boards, but then now they've become, uh, storehouses for wares, you know, cracked computer software. And, um, you know, as a result, I, I remember the day that I heard that my internet service provider was going to start metering the amount of time you could spend on Usenet and the amount of information you could share. And I thought, why Usenet? I mean, people don't really use Usenet anymore for, uh, for message boards. Well, as it turns out, they do. And they're using it for, uh, all kinds of other things. So it's, a, it's another technology that's, you know, really neat for, you know, one thing, but can be misused for other purposes. And, you know, as soon as they do, you know, they find out and start cracking down on it. And uh, BitTorrent is just probably the one of the latest and more famous examples of those kinds of technology, you know, that can be misused. And, you know, people come down on the, uh, in this case, the BitTorrent folks uh, for enabling other people to share files. And and not just, yeah, and, and not just from a, a copyright standpoint either. Um, we've also seen... ISPs come down on people using BitTorrent clients in order to, uh, to you know, they, the big famous case is Comcast throttling customers' uh, download speeds when trying to use BitTorrent. Um, you could argue, I, I assume that uh, some of the, the like MPAA and RIAA would probably say, uh, this is not, you know, throttling is necessary so we can we can discourage piracy. But again, as we pointed out, you can use BitTorrent legally to distribute files. If Comcast throttles, you know, the, the torrent files, uh, 
what's to say like it could be a completely legitimate use for that and then suddenly the whole purpose of this this model which is to make the 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 process much more smooth and fast it's invalidated because you've just put the brakes on the system mm-hmm. so um yeah there's there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of people who don't really care for uh the distribution method but it's not the users yeah. <laughs> it's, it's everybody else well um and okay so Take yourself out of the consumer shoes and put yourself in the shoes of the ISP wait, too. Wait, let me let me twirl my mustache. Okay, and uh, and and tie someone to the railroad tracks. <laughs> come and on, then, come okay, on. I'm in the mindset. All right, so you're Comcast and you're throttling bandwidth, or or like um, you know those two blog posts that I wrote not too long ago about Time Warner thinking about capping bandwidth. Uh, per month, right. you know, they, their claim when they do things like that is that they're trying to manage their network better. And, um, you know, say you're using BitTorrent for something completely legit. You know, every file you upload or download is completely on the level. There's nothing illegal about it. But from your ISP's perspective, dude, you're really using a lot of bandwidth. Um, that's the amount of information you're sending, by the way, uh, not to be jargony. So, you know, they have a, depending on how you look at it, legitimate and, you know, legitimate reason for wanting or, you know, for being concerned about the amount of traffic going over their network. Because, um, for example, if you're a cable user, everybody in your neighborhood who is also a cable user, you're using part of their bandwidth. So if you are using way more than everybody else, you're slowing their connection down. Um, so if you're on that kind of a connection, your ISP may actually have a vested interest in keeping, you know, keeping you from using a whole lot of bandwidth, whether it's by throttling it or by setting a cap and saying, Hey, look, fella, you're using a whole lot of information here. Can you tone it down? If you don't, we're going to charge you for it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, you know, I, I could see why they might say that. Of course, you might also say that they're being very greedy. You know, they're, they, you know, it's their network. I have no way of knowing how much traffic is going over it for real or not. But um, that that's their reason for that's their stated reason for wanting to uh, to slow people down. Yeah, I, I know quite a few people who would call shenanigans. You know, I like I said, I don't have I don't have a uh, a window to Look, there. You can defend them stuff. all you like, Paulette. I mean, we know <laughs> that you're a corporate puppet. Of We've course, established I am. this. Um, no, seriously. The uh, I, no, you have a good point. Um, there could very well be that there are, uh, there are bandwidth issues, especially when you get to the last mile problem. Yeah. Um, you get into the, like the neighborhood level of, uh, of, of bandwidth. Um, it could be that like, you know, two people using BitTorrent to download huge files could really impact the experience of an entire neighborhood. I mean, it's, it is possible for that to happen. Well, we're not in one of those countries where we pay $5 a month and get a hundred megabit. Per second DSL. Not yet, or, anyway. Uh, connections, um, it wouldn't happen on DSL. We're kind but. of hoping for the, the new CTO and the CIO to kind of help change that. <laughs> it won't uh, happen overnight. No, it's not going <laughs> to no happen overnight. Who's there. Actually, that, but yeah, some people would also argue that this is really just a case of, say, uh, you know, a, a clear illustration that the ISPs need to, um, to solve the last mile problem and to find a way to get those, uh, those faster connections, uh, you know, like maybe running fiber to the home mm-hmm. um, instead of just uh, to whatever, you know, the trunk or whatever. Um, then maybe we would not have to worry so much about this bandwidth issue. And then we could see if it really is a bandwidth problem or if it's just a, hey, how can we monetize this issue? Um, right. I know which side I'm betting on. <laughs> I won't go into it. So... 
I guess this eventually brings us around to the tracker sites. Um, these are sure. the sites that, uh, that are like search engines for torrents mm-hmm. and, um, they, they discover torrents and they track them and they, uh, allow users to, uh, to tap into them and, uh, but they don't host anything themselves. They're just, it's just kind of like a very specialized Google. Yeah. But it's meant for torrents, right? So you have a whole bunch of these out on the internet. There's like ISO Hunt and all, uh, you know, tons and tons. But the one that got into the news most recently was the Pirate Bay. Now the Pirate Bay, uh, by its very name, suggests some nefarious behavior. That, that is, uh, that is some maybe negative marketing, yeah, drawing not, some attention to yourself. I would definitely argue that the Pirate Bay founders brought an awful lot of the, uh, the, the problems they faced on themselves. Right. Um, by their attitude, by the way they marketed themselves, uh, by the very name of the site they created, um, you can't really get around the fact that, you know, they were, they were promoting a certain kind of behavior. Uh, they still didn't host anything that was under copyright on their own site. They just linked to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, there were charges brought against the four founders of the Pirate Bay. Um, and by the way, the Pirate Bay's uh, uh, servers are in Sweden. And so it was the Swedish courts that uh, prosecuted the founders. And uh, the two main charges that were brought against them were copyright infringement and assisting copyright infringement. Now, after the opening statement of the Pirate Bay's uh, lawyer, the the prosecution dropped the copyright infringement charge because it was clear that there was no way to really get them on that. They didn't host the material. Mm-hmm. Um, so they couldn't be directly responsible. However, the assisting copyright infringement uh, charge stuck. It went all the way to trial, went all the way through, and they got a guilty verdict. Mm-hmm. Uh, the four founders were sentenced to a year in prison and $3.59 million U.S. in damages. Uh, to companies like Warner Brothers, which, you know, obviously are hurting for money. Um, that was just a snide comment. So anyway, the, the, here's the issue as I see it. Yes, the Pirate Bay promoted, uh, this kind of behavior. Um, which maybe that, that was all it took to really push them over to the assisting copyright infringement section. Well, they did tell you where to go. Yeah. But that's the problem is that any search engine will tell you where to go. Exactly. So let's say you go to a quote unquote legitimate uh, torrent tracking site. Okay. Let's say we go to one that is not meant specifically to allow people to to uh, distribute copyright material across the network. Right. Um, some people still do that. Right. So mm-hmm. you've got people who are do- who are using the system specifically to get access to material they do not legally have the right to own. Okay. Um, but that's not the purpose of the site. Now, if the courts would still pronounce those companies guilty, I have a major problem. And the reason is because essentially you are saying that by linking to material that's under copyright, you are assisting copyright infringement. Mm-hmm. But everybody links at some point or another to something that could be infringing on a copyright. And it's because you have really no control over, you know, once you link to someone, you have no real control over what's on that site. True. They could change it. They could change it as soon as you link to it. They could change it, you know, a year down the road. Mm -hmm. And it, or it could be that, you know, you see this great article and like, you know, we often link to, uh, to outside sources, to, to other articles, things like that. 
if someone were to use an, an image, for example, and they did not have the express permission or the legal right to use that image, would that mean that we would be liable because we assisted in copyright infringement? After all, if we linked to that site, theoretically, we were helping drive traffic to that site. Right. You know, and then you think, okay, well, that would mean that search engines like Google, could they be liable? Because if you type in any sort of real search term, I guarantee you one of those search results somewhere down the line is going to link to something that's going to infringe on copyright in some way or another. Right. Would Google be liable? Because they're, again, allowing traffic to get to this material. You could basically prosecute just about everybody on the Internet. Yeah, and the the ultimate result of this, I mean, I don't think it will ever go this far. Right. But this is kind of dr- dragging it to the ultimate conclusion, is that everyone would be afraid to link to everyone else. So everything would remain internal. And instead of a web, you would have a series of columns. Mm-hmm. Every website would be a column and you could find pages within that column, but there was no way for you to get from that website to another website because mm-hmm. that other website might have copyright material on it. Sure. And that uh, that would be the slippery slope in this case. Yeah. So so that that's my rant. Okay. You did a great job. <laughs> now, granted, again, Pirate Bay guys didn't do themselves any favors. They made it really, really easy for a court to go after them. Yeah, they they kind of flaunted their uh, their intentions. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it remains to be seen if this goes any further than that. Um, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. But the technology itself is is really a very a very elegant way to handle the problem of uh, how to download large files, especially over slower networks. Yes. Or or networks with slower pieces in them, since we're all running at different speeds on this uh, on this network. So yeah. Yeah. I I think uh, it's a very, great very efficient. I think it is a great method. It just uh, you just gotta look out for the people who are using it for the wrong reasons. Yep. Yep. Pretty much like every other piece of technology ever invented. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm done. Do you have anything else? No, I don't really have anything else to add. Well, I guess that uh, that brings us around to uh, listener mail. I wasn't expecting that. So here we go. Hi, guys. Juno from Hawaii here. I was listening to one of your podcasts, and at the end of the listener mail section, you invited us, the listeners, to send you haikus because Josh and Chuck won't read them anymore, or something like that. So here it is. Intelligent duo, the tech wizards John and Chris, will guide the tech noobs. Smiley face. Now, wasn't that awesome? Love the show, and I listen to all the How Stuff Works podcasts. Juno in sunny Hawaii, where it happened to be 86 degrees today. Aloha, Juno. Thank you very much for the haiku. That was great. Um, it actually, we're in Atlanta, so 86 degrees is, you know, that, that's not too far off from where we usually are at this time of year. But uh, I'm sure some of our listeners in the cold reaches of the world are ridding their teeth right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except um, no one else has the 200% humidity that we've got going on. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, not it no depends. one else. If you go, let me tell you. A few others. Here's a little bit of trivia for you, Paulette. Okay. Kona, Hawaii uh-huh. gets the most rainfall out of any city in the United States. 
All right, then. There you go. You can mm. take that to the bank. And it has some expensive coffee, too. Also, they have some really cool sea turtles. Okay. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> if any of you have any uh, haikus or suggestions or corrections, anything like that you want to write to us, you can do so. Techstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Remember, we have blogs up. You can find those uh, from going to our homepage, HowStuffWorks.com. Just look on the right-hand side. You'll see the blogs there. And, of course, we have lots of articles about BitTorrent and uh, and other subjects that make me go crazy at HowStuffWorks.com. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.